Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast, where you'll not only gain the insight to help you transition your career, but we'll have raw, unfiltered conversations about equity and access in corporate America. I'm your host, Tristan Layfield of Career Clarity Solutions, formerly Layfield Resume Consulting. And today, I have the honor of having on the podcast Mark Dyson. He's the founder of The Voice of Job Seekers. He's a writer and speaker, and he has an award-winning blog and podcast. The Voice of Job Seekers, um, and he's been featured in Forbes, Business Insider, uh, Fast Company, and on Sirius XM. He's written for Linza.com, The Financial Diet, Payscale, JobHunt.org, and so many others. So today, I'm excited to have you on the show, my friend. Thank you for coming, Mark. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate being a part of this. I'm looking forward to uh, um, first our conversation. Yes, yes, I'm looking forward to it too. I know we met on LinkedIn, just sort of in the natural way people meet on LinkedIn. You know, we connected, started commenting and liking each other's stuff. And then next thing I know, uh, you invited me onto your show. Um, and right. we had a nice, robust conversation. So I'm going to have to find that link so I can put it in uh, the post so people can go back and, and listen to that. Because I, I remember us having a real good convo there. Um, okay. But I appreciate you having me on your show. And now sure. I get to have you on mine. <laughs> Great. Yeah. I appreciate uh, the invitation. You have uh, you have such a large audience on LinkedIn. And I actually reached out to you because it was right after you are uh, you are ordained as uh, a LinkedIn top voice, which is a huge honor. And again, congratulations! And I said, "Well, I've got to get to know him for the for the more obvious reasons as well." Yes, yes, I appreciate. It. I like that. I like that verbiage, ordained. Um, yes, okay, I, I like it. I like it. <laughs> Perfect. Well, um, you know, I always like to start this conversation off um, since many of the people that listen to the podcast are job seekers or people who might be thinking on of hopping out in the job market. I always like to mm-hmm. ask my guests to sort of fill in the blank to this sentence: the state of the job market right now is blank what what would you fill in there what is the state of the job market now to you the state of the the job market right now is splintered we can never say that is here or there or that it's one way as career pros our advice very often online is pretty general but what applies to the military it doesn't necessarily apply to the private sector. What applies to the private sector doesn't necessarily mean it applies to the nonprofit world. So I think I'm trying to be a little bit more mindful. That I'm sure that general advice will do, and I think sometimes the, even the spirit, maybe not the particularly the tactic works, but I think all in all, we have to really consider what, what audiences we're talking to and that we're giving advice to because very often people will come and say, hey, this wasn't exactly right. Or Mm -hmm. we expect people to be or assert intelligence to the job search. And one of the reasons why they come to us because they don't have, sometimes they really don't have the parameters that they need to kind of follow. So very often I think just we give a little bit more advice because the job market is very splintered and we're seeing a lot of that right now. We're seeing a lot of layoffs in tech, but everywhere else, some may even say that that market is particularly hot. 
just like during the pandemic when the travel the travel industry and the hotel industry was really uh, tanking to a great degree because everybody had to stop traveling and tanking, that means all the other areas were going to be affected like that. And I think there'll be a time when in the next couple of years, healthcare and education will be deeply affected like no other, but that doesn't mean elsewhere isn't thriving. So I think everything, when it comes to job search, you hear news. And of course, you know, I write some news in that sense, and it may not apply to you. You've got to figure out the context. And I think that's where a lot of job seekers are finally beginning to gain some momentum as far as understanding what it means to you and your industry and where you want to go. If that all makes sense. Yeah. No, it definitely makes sense. I think that is a great way to describe it. Um, I think many of us as career professionals are so used to speaking in overarching generalities about yes. the job market and sort of what's yes. going on. Um, and and mm-hmm. I think this this job market has really proven to us that those generalities, uh, they can't really work right now. We sort of have to speak right. to specific audiences about what's going yes. on. Like you said, if we're talking mm-hmm. to tech, the advice that we're going to give them right now is going to be completely different than if we're talking to an educator or if we're talking right. to uh you know somebody in healthcare or if we're talking to somebody right. in, well i won't say real estate real estate and tech are sort of dealing with some of the same <laughs> sort of downturns yeah, but their, uh you yeah, know right. so <laughs> right. so it just really depends on the market now this is going to be a, a hard converse a hard question to ask you i guess um now that we sort of established that the the job market is splintered but mm-hmm. What tips do you have for people who are trying to find a new job right now, right? Knowing that everything is so, um, I'll say, you know, so discombobulated, depending on where, where you are, what you're trying to do. What tips right. do you have for people who are trying to find a new job? Right. Well, to even add more context to the prior question, you have those who are unemployed, you have those who are underemployed, but you which we rarely talk about, by the way. And I wrote an article on the blog this uh, today that I published about underemployment, which I've spoken about before. But we have unemployed, we have employed, we have underemployed. And those are contextually somewhat different in mindset. Uh, people who are employed would have an advantage in saying that, yes, I currently work and I currently have a job because there's still the whole unemployment bias that's out there that if you're not employed it must be your fault and your problem which in these days most logical people would say that yeah everybody gets unemployed now everybody can end up being underemployed if you're not paying attention to your career development because things change a whole lot faster now than they ever did you know five years ago you can go a couple of years without necessarily getting any further training now you really can't go a year without getting some kind of career development to to uh, advance your career so that's one big thing that everybody has to pay attention to is their ability to future proof if i can use that word it's borrowed i didn't make that up but i have said that job search is a lifestyle it is something that we can do now from our lives no matter where we are because we have a mobile phone we have the ability to be online constantly continually and we can also while we're waiting for the next phone call while we're waiting in line at the supermarket 
while we're waiting at the barbershop, if we don't have an appointment, we've got to sit there for an hour. If you're in the black barbershop, you know that to be true. <laughs> then you have the ability to learn something while you're in it and or in that moment particularly. So, you know, those things really change the lives of people as we found out in the past two, two and a half years. So you have your different resources like Udemy, Coursera, even LinkedIn will have classes for you. And you could take them on demand right then and there. You don't have to go to a college to sign up or make a big deal or sign up anywhere. You can literally pay and then go learn uh, as you do like the different master classes that are online. But something that is kind of a continual thread throughout all sectors and no matter what status you are is the idea that you can emphasize flexibility that you show that you're adaptable to whatever changes are and think of stories that will show that you were adaptable like during the pandemic how seamlessly you were able to go from working at home to uh, working from the workplace to at home and maybe to hybrid, or maybe even had to do it while you travel. There are some people in the small sector, people who continue to travel throughout the, the time of the pandemic. So were you, if you are a digital nomad, that's kind of cool to be able to say that you'd be able to continue your career and serving your employer or serving clients while you were on the road uh, to wherever you're going for whatever reason. To say that you're a perpetual learner is a big deal. You can not just talk about, yeah, you're a perpetual learner, but talk about the things that you learn, the skills and certifications that matter to your industry and show how you've been able to do those things. And those are some of the things that people can do and that they've been able to help their career along. Uh, I think a big thing, too, is that people, especially if you're young, and it really doesn't matter what age you are, but I think people need to start looking at some of the companies that are startups in their industry. You can learn a lot about the current technology from those particular industries. You can learn about how people are working and how they're adapting and how they're being flexible. Because if you're working in a startup and people think we say startup, it could be a tech startup. A startup is really anybody more than two or three people that could be a startup. So certainly that is something that's going to be really important to watch because we're seeing a lot of those pop up. And I think, too, along those lines is that everybody should have some kind of contract or freelance shingle they can hang out, whether you make it an Inc. or LLC or you continue on as a sole proprietor where you can make money in case there is a lapse of some kind or that you're learning a new skill and you want to implement it in some kind of way. And volunteering is also a great big one that everyone can do to kind of keep their career hot and at least uh, moving forward, even when it seems like everything seems to be static. Yeah. You guys some really great pieces of advice there for people who are trying to find a new job. I think that sort of, you know, continuing education and, and, and ensuring that you're finding a way to 
show how you can add additional value is going to be incredibly Mm -hmm. important for a lot of people. Um, But I also love the tips about even potentially starting something on the side, you know, an LLC, a sole proprietorship, or even volunteering. And these can be all things that, you know, show what you're doing with your time if you are unemployed, uh, show that you are making sort of strides to do something. Sometimes it's also nice to show, um, you know, that you're actively making strides to transition your career into that new field you're trying to get into by volunteering and things or starting something different or, uh, you know, working with some of those startups. So I really, uh, I really appreciate those sort of actionable tips that people can take right now to sort of boost their, Mm -hmm. their resumes to also sort of, uh, speak or fill some of those gaps that they might be having in employment as well. Now, when we talk about something, when it comes to um, when it comes to gaps in employment, we talk. We used to talk a lot about millennials doing job hopping and and all mm-hmm. these type of things. And now we have Gen Z talent, which is a little bit different than millennials. I'm not saying they they job hop just like millennials did, but Gen Z is a, a certain type of talent, right? Um, we know they are mm-hmm. they are entering the workforce. Um, they're not the largest uh, you know population of the workforce yet, but they will be. Um, and so mm-hmm. my question to you is, what do you think recruiters need to know about attracting and retaining Gen Z talent, right? We know they, like I said, they have similarities to millennials, just like millennials had similarities to, to the generation before them, but they're not exactly mm-hmm. the same. So what do recruiters need to know about attracting and retaining Gen Z talent? Well, I think recruiters have to understand that they deserve respect and tact when approaching them and communicating with them, just like you would any other part. I think there's a, I'm not saying recruiters are disrespectful, but I think they don't respect them in the same light that you respect the other generation. And I think that's a big mistake because Generation Z also has a shorter fuse to work off of. So they're not going to wait around for you. They're hopping on the next train as you begin to think about how you're going to respond to them. So I think that's where sometimes the communication gap is you may think that i'm a recruiter i'm straightforward but at the same time if you're not straightforward to where that particular person is then they will disregard you and move on to somebody else because what they're looking for is options in every facet of life they want options for the career they want options for where they live they want options in their relationships and who they network with you're not going to be part of the solution you're going to be left out as an option. And that's bad business for a recruiter because if you have somebody who's really talented, you want to communicate in a way that resonates with them and not feel like, not them feeling like you're speaking at them. And honestly, I'm a baby boomer. <laughs> so I have to, I have to keep that in line. But what helps me is that I have, I have a Gen Z son and I have a, I have a millennial sign, a, a younger millennial and kind of a, that bridge, that, that shade of gray between Gen Z and millennial. So I had to also speak with them. And when I give them advice, I do it out of respect, not that I'm talking down to them. I might be able to put out the dad card, but that's not the best and effective way to get them to listen. And so that's really worked well for me. And I think that should work well for everybody. 
uh, even in a workplace, uh, in, in a multi-general workplace where there's up to five generations working in a large company, the communication, the way they communicate is different than each in each generation. And it's just a matter of having that kind of emotional and career intelligence to be able to relate to people mm -hmm. on that level, the way they understand, the way they'll receive that message. Yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely uh, a thing. It's interesting. I teach at a, a local community college, and they're always talking about mm -hmm. the communication piece with the uh, <laughs> the younger generation and trying to make sure that they're communicating with them in a way um, that's effective. And so I think that that's um, something that, that recruiters definitely need to think about is how are we communicating with Gen Z talent? How transparent are we being with Gen Z talent? Because they really want, they want to, they got questions and they want, they want answers before they make a decision. Right. Um, right. And, 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 and they'll call you and they'll call you out if they feel like you're mm -hmm. being fake in any kind of way. Yeah. So even there might mm -hmm. be a shade of gray, there's an infraction that actually happens and happens. And, they want to know what is really the deal or that they'll yeah. fill in the blank themselves and move on, which is the worst case scenario because you're yeah. as a recruiter, you're trying to fill a position, you're trying to fill in in timely fashion. And if you have top candidates move on because the recruiter doesn't have that kind of intelligence and have the right radar on, you know, the message mm -hmm. gets missed both ways. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think the other thing that Gen Z has done that I really appreciate is that they've sort of brought back the idea that the hiring process is not a one-way street. It is a two-way street. And I think they seem to understand that better than any of the prior generations, personally, from my perspective, right? I think a lot of us millennials, uh, you know, baby boomers, Gen Y, whatever the case may be, it was like a, you know, a, a grateful to be in the room type of situation, a thankful to have the opportunity. And Gen Z's like, no, I'm an asset. What am I going to get from you just as much as what are you going to get from me? And I think that's a, a really great thing to read enter this space with right i think i think that that is an empowering thing and it's something that gen absolutely. z i think is really pushing to the forefront absolutely and lord knows we could talk about this ad nauseum in the sense mm -hmm. that people need to come to interviews and this is every generation not just gen z but you are also interviewing the company you don't want mm -hmm. to tip off that you are waiting to be picked that you're a draft choice that only works in football basketball baseball and other sports when it comes to your life you're not a, you're not a draft choice in the sense that you it's only one way you draft an employ, employer as well as an employer drafting you you're looking for a mutual agreement that yes these will be the terms they employ i'm going to follow your lead However, once your lead becomes stagnant, stale, and static, I've got to move on because I've got a whole life in front of me, and you are just trying to get to the next phase with your next budget. So there are two different, two entirely different agendas in some sense. You're agreeing on what I'm going to help you with for the time being to get you to that next level. And that's why I think goes back to the contracting freelance part is that I think a lot more of us are going to end up having no choice but to be contracting freelance in the future. Uh, 
has been conjectured that way for some years now that that a lot of us are going to be like that. It's going to be two out of five, perhaps. And that's a large segment of the working population, that they're going to be contracted freelancers. That means they're going to be a total business of one, not just from a attitude point of view, but they're also going to be that way from a business entity point of view. And so you're going to have yeah. to start thinking that everything is going to be on me, including my insurance, <laughs> my health care, my savings, my stock options, all of that can turn around very easily if an industry collectively decides we can't fund the way we used to, we need to do it this way now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see, that's a whole nother conversation that I might have to have you uh, come back for us to have because <laughs> I did read an article um, that 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 uh, posited that uh, the majority of the workforce was going to be contractors something by I think they said something like 2040 is the year that they said that. Um, and, and I was like, hmm, that's a very interesting yeah, that's a very yeah. interesting forecast. So we'll we'll have to come back. You have to come back on so we can have that particular conversation okay. too, because I think that's an interesting one. I don't think I we really we really need to get people prepared for that type of work. Um, yes, so. I, and I think it's going to be sooner than it's going to be sooner than uh, twenty forty because if an yeah. industry like healthcare education should crack. Uh, and the, I mean, it's going to be huge because that's such a large infrastructure of our culture, especially in America, is healthcare. Everybody needs healthcare. Everybody needs education on some kind of level. And there's a lot of quandary in both right now. So it's mm -hmm. not going to look the same here very soon. Well, you know, I think I think uh, most of our industries are ripe for innovation right now. So, you know, I'm not I'm not opposed to it. It's just we need to prepare no. people for it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, we so, need to move the <laughs> So, I appreciate all of the insight and the gems that you just dropped, my friend. Now, what I like to do is I like to bring our conversation to some of the latest career and job search news trends topics. Mm -hmm. um, and there was an article that came across from LinkedIn. Um, I think it was actually written by Laura Copeland. Corpar, and it was pushed out by Andrew Seaman, who's the managing editor for job and career development at LinkedIn News. And the article mm -hmm. was what to do if your company is downsizing. Um, and mm -hmm. I sent this article to you for a very particular reason, because we know that a lot of companies right now, a lot of the, the big companies like Amazon and Twitter and Netflix and all these places have done lots of layoffs over the last few months. And one of the right. things that we always talk about when it comes to layoffs is we talk about the people who were laid off, what they should do, how they should mm -hmm. react, right? Getting, making sure they file for unemployment, having their resumes done, you know, tapping into their LinkedIn networks doing all these things that you know we tell them to do so they can get back into a job but this right. article took a different spin it talked a little bit about what to do when you are the person who isn't laid off and you stay at your company and i was like hmm, right. that's interesting i don't think we talk about that enough <laughs> when it comes to no, layoffs. so um you know i'll i'll get to what some of the article said itself but um, mm -hmm. from your perspective, when you are in a company that's downsizing, uh, and you are somebody who wasn't laid off, 
what what should you be doing as the person that's sticking around in this company or organization from your perspective right how how do you ensure that you know what's going on that you secure your role like what what do you do if you're staying at the company well there's a couple of things that people would feel of course there's the it's like a death to a family member or one that went away there's a little bit of mourning that goes on especially if you have people who are close to you in that regard that you work closely with they were downsized and i wasn't so there's that feeling and there's an emotional wave and impact uh, that there might be survivor's guilt somewhat feeling that wow that person may we did the same work but i was chosen to say that person wasn't and that person may not have been laid off because they were uh the how should I say they were the they were poor performers it just happened so it might be a lot of different factors that might be involved so I think you do have to reconcile that you may need to get some uh, reconcile it through some counseling or some therapy of some type and that's normal and that's okay and for most people they have that in their insurance packet and plans and in fact there are some companies that even have counselors for those who are remaining uh, available for a week or two uh, on alert because it is it is a traumatic uh, setting for some. So a lot of companies don't. And that's where you still, as an individual, you have to kind of take care of you, and you need to do whatever you have to. Now, some people are afraid to take the vacation or the time off, but I think sometimes you may need to, especially if it's distraction to you. So I think that's one of the things you need to do. I think the other thing, too, is that you also may need to start stepping up your career development and try to find out what will make you valuable, not just for this job, but for the next job and the next job. Because a lot of times people will find out, hey, you know, what if it happens to me tomorrow? Then what? It'll be nobody but you. So I think a lot of times people will take for granted that they and most of us had, especially we were baby boomers because we were brought up saying that companies will take care of you. Luckily, I was able to tell my son, nobody's not going to take care of you. You've got to look <laughs> forward to your, you got to look forward to doing everything yourself, including your own professional development. So likely if there's layoffs, the company's not going to shell out the money. You've got to now shell out that money. And if you want to control how you use that development, You've got to pay for it for yourself and you've got to start looking for opportunities. And that's where volunteering can possibly come in. That's where contracting and freelancing can come in so you can use it on your terms and also find out what the, how the rest of the world is using that same skill. And also, and probably if I were to go back to the beginning of our conversation, innovation, as you mentioned, in a sense, that's a career development that needs to be developed by most people because most people don't think of their area as innovation. I'm just there to do what you're told. And I do well at it and people expect that. When really, if you're looking for a thriving career, you wanna be innovative. And we're not talking about you know building a new widget. We're just take, talking about taking one idea for one sector, perhaps applying it to another sector, and it is completely uh, innovation, especially 
for me, for instance, coming into the career development world, career advancement, blah, 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 job search, a lot of what the, what I wrote about a little bit as a personal trainer for a short time, the things I learned about kinesiology and workouts and things, I was able to apply that to job search. So in that kind of way, I made thing gave a, a fresh perspective, but from a workout, people taking different things, borrow one thing from one area and made it, uh, uh, brought new light because it's in a different, entirely different way. So I think when people start to think about the layoffs in that kind of way, you guys take care of your mind and take care of your heart, but then you've got to start looking at ways you move your career forward because a lot of times the mm-hmm. first thing before a company closes is a layoff. And, yep. and that's kind of yep. the tip off saying that we're not in the safe place, even though they company may say, well, we're just trying to save some money. A lot of times that mm-hmm. could be a warning saying that, oh, we're not moving the direction we want to move in. So there's different thoughts of that and there'll people be, uh, agree or disagree with me. But as an individual who's working, that's you've got to think of ways that you'll move forward and what that's going to look like from here on in. Yeah. Yeah. I think you gave some good pieces of advice and they sort of align with some of the things that we see inside of the article. Um, mm. You know, they do talk about handling the stress of downsizing um, because yes, you, you made it through the cut. So you're somebody who's here, but it's not necessarily a relief. Cause like you said, that guilt could play a yeah. part that uncertainty of your career's future, because you know, sure. you don't know if there's security here. Um, mm-hmm. and so anxiety, depression, other mental health issues, they tend to arise. So definitely being able to talk to a therapist, especially if your company provides it great. Uh, a lot of companies have employee assistance programs that will connect right. you to people that you can speak to. So, if you're in that mm-hmm. instance, you know, check in on your employee assistance program. Um, the other thing that you mentioned about the innovation, right? I think when mm-hmm. when people are in situations where they are the survivors of a layoff, I'll put it that way, um, mm-hmm. they often sort of revert back into their shell and they're like, let me just do my job. Let me just do my job. Right. Um, Instead, I think sometimes we need to sort of uh, get external to ourselves and start asking questions too. Like, uh, and the article says this, you have questions about how this is going to impact your team's workload, why there was a layoff, really understanding what's going on here. So you can figure out how much security you may have, right. Um, Mm -hmm. Or how you might be able to innovate in this space. Because I think the other thing that people don't realize when they hear innovation, people always think of, uh, they always think of creating something new or, you know, creating something that's just so mind blowing and mind boggling. Well, sometimes Mm -hmm. when we're in spaces that have existed um, in the way they've existed for some time, innovation can be as small as finding cost-cutting measures or finding ways to automate certain things or finding ways to to just do things better right so you're not wasting money or wasting time and if you do that you can also solidify yourself as somebody who is providing value to the company and identifying ways to help the company achieve its goals so you can help solidify your security a little bit more but what i often tell people is when when we see those layoffs start to happen 
Assume mm-hmm. that you may be next, right? Prepare yourself for that reality. So it's right. it's time to get your documents in order. It's time to warm up that network. Absolutely. It's time to get on LinkedIn and start talking about the things that you're doing, right? Uh, it's time to, yeah. like you said, do that continuing education, learn something new, build up your skill yeah. sets because uh, you article. just never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the article you mentioned as well is that um, there's a section on what questions should you ask after a downsizing. Mm-hmm. This is where it's critical for job seekers and prof- working professionals where you're employed, unemployed, underemployed, where you'll need to start thinking more critically about your job search and think about two different ways and maybe even the third. One is think about what does this employer need right now from me? other than just having a discussion with your current boss. If you can find where that gold lies, you can make yourself invaluable for now and for later. But also from the outside, if you are underemployed or unemployed, is what will the workforce or this industry or this job, the next company I work for, what is the most essential piece that they'll need from me? And you go and you find out what those things are. I think what very often happens is that we think that that we only think in terms when we change jobs or get a job, that we get the job and we do the job they want. That could be the bottom line if you want. But you think in terms of doing the job and then what way would that job in term, that experience serve me to the next level. And that's where people kind of get stuck. They don't think two levels up. They are only looking at the road six feet in front of them instead of 12 feet. If you look 12 feet in front, you can see the accident that happened with the other car before it happens Mm -hmm. to you if you're only looking six feet. And that's kind of what happens in the layoff situation where people just looked at what's happening to them instead of saying what happened to other people could happen to you if you're not taking these precautions. So I think that's yep. where we, you know, job seekers, professionals of all sorts, we, t- we hear these different news items and we get scared instead of being strategic. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I think it just, we need to be mindful and be more strategic as we go forward. Yeah, transitioning from that fear to the strategy. I 100% agree. So I appreciate this conversation that you had with me today, man. Thank you so, so much for coming on and sharing all this information and your insights. Now, before we decide to hop off the pod here, can you tell Uh people where they can find you or connect with you out on these internet streets? Yes, well, on the internet streets, I used to find me at thevoiceofjobseekers.com. And you can also find me under Mark Anthony Dyson, Twitter or LinkedIn. Those are two places I'll hang out outside of everywhere else I may hang out. <laughs> perfect, perfect. So you heard him. The voice of jobseekers.com and Mark Anthony Dyson at Facebook. You said LinkedIn and Twitter. Excuse LinkedIn, me. Twitter. So yes, yes, I don't have Facebook go- and Instagram anymore. So. Uh, those are the two places I have them. I, I get. <laughs> uh, I have them, but I barely use them, so I get it. Yeah. 
I yeah. get it. So right. I, I appreciate you joining us. We're definitely going to have to have you back on so we can have that conversation about being a contract employee and moving into that space going sure. forward. So we're definitely going to have you back on the pod at some point. But I appreciate you joining. Uh, I hope you have a happy holiday. And I can't Thank wait you. to talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Okay, perfect. And until next time, everybody, you all have a happy holiday season, and I'll be talking to you very soon. Bye-bye.